Welcome back to the Youngstown Penguin Football Podcast. I'm your host, Sal Guayardo, and with me as always are my co-host, former quarterback Kurt Hess, former defensive lineman Kyle Searle, and former football operations Dan Kopp. Uh, as always, please give us a five-star review, and you could, of course, find us on Spotify, Apple, and iHeartRadio, and anywhere podcasts are found. And, of course, you could always follow our IG page. Uh, just to share with you before we start the episode, because on today we have a very special guest on today's episode, but future episodes to come, just to give teasers, uh, the FCS ticket sales have come out. Where does Youngstown State rank? Where does the rest of the conference rank? Uh, new NCAA rules on jumping from FCS to FBS have now came out. So that will be another interesting take that we'll, we'll have to discuss in a future episode. But again, today's episode is a special interview, and Kurt Hess has uh, been able to capture this special guest. So I'm going to turn it over to him to introduce who we have with us in a proper way. You take it away, Curtie. Hey, sorry about that. Um, so we got a guy today who just finished up his second seasons with the Kansas, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, was a defensive coach with LSU, uh, defensive coach and coordinator with Youngstown State University. Uh, in 2016, uh, YSU national runner-up squad. He coached uh, third-round pick Derek Rivers and uh, fifth-round pick Avery Moss. Uh, Donald Delicio is who we have today. He played at YSU from 2010 to 2014. Uh, total tackles is 274. I think that's 17th all-time. Uh, played in 48 games and started 44 of them. I believe he was a two-time YSU captain, uh, Youngstown, Ohio native, and, and most impressively, probably, uh, Cardinal Mooney state champion and teammate of Marky Brandenstein. Uh, today, everybody, welcome uh, Donald Delicio, Kansas City Chiefs. Donald, what's going on, bro? What's up, guys? Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to do, uh, talk to you guys here for a little bit, and I uh, love what you guys are doing. Thank you, brother. Um, we always talk on this show about Youngstown State football and how Youngstown State is doing. But today uh, we want to talk about how a penguin is doing, specifically you. So just before we get to the interview questions, we want to open the floor to what's going on in Donald's life, just generally, personally, and, you know, how Kansas City is and anything you want to share with us that you, you think the audience and the listeners you know, need, need to know been good you know obviously coming off the great season uh winning the super bowl it's kind of been non-stop it's great you know playing a long season and obviously achieving that goal um but it causes for the off season to kind of get shrunk and we just were talking a little bit you know you get done with the super bowl it's right to the parade um and then we had a couple of days off and then we were at the combine next thing you know we're going to indianapolis doing the combine getting everything done for the draft um, then you go through the whole OTA process and the guys are in the building. So that gets on you fast while you're still trying to do review stuff from the previous year. Um, but it was all good. You know, we had a good off season and then we get done. Mini camp gets done and uh, we get some time off. Coach Reed's great with us with our schedule. And uh, my girlfriend and I, we've been traveling a little bit, went on. We were just on vacation um, a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago. And then we went and saw her family up in Michigan. They got a beautiful lake house up there. And uh, 
now I'm in Youngstown. So, you know, it's great. We kind of go, go away ourselves, recharge, unwind a little bit, and then we get to go see both sides of the family and, uh, then I'll be back in Kansas city and, uh, we'll hit the ground running, getting ready to go to, to training camp and, uh, have a chance to go do the whole thing all over again. So life's been good, man. I got no complaints. I love being back in Youngstown. My whole family's here. So it's always great to come back to obviously where I grew up, see all the people that, you know, mean the most to me. And, uh, obviously have this chance to sit down and talk with you guys. So uh, I got no complaints right now. Nice, man. Now, all of us, we all came up with a bunch of questions. We, we had to kind of, you know, before the show goes to a four hour show, uh, we all came up with a few questions. So I'm going to go around the horn and order here. And, and I think Dan Kopp's got the most important questions. So I'm going to turn it over to Dan. Donald. How are you, man? Uh, congrats again on everything. And I think probably the question I had, which probably everyone might want to know about you recently, is kind of talk to us, maybe everyone, us and the listeners, the feeling of actually wearing a Super Bowl ring now. Like, what was that like for you the moment you got that? I'll show you guys. I was, we were talking a little bit earlier. So there it is. Um, wow. You know, obviously it's flooded out with diamonds. It's got our name on it. I'm working backwards here. It's got our name on it. Um, you know, our chief's kingdom, all the diamonds mean something, you know, there's 10 of them right there for the 10 straight winning seasons. We've had there's 13 for the AFC West titles. We've won the whole ring in detail. Coach Reed picks a word a year and last year was edge. So you see edge engraved in there. It's funny signatures actually in there, um, and then we got the scores of the of the playoff games we had, and then I was showing you guys a little bit too. The the Hopkins on, we were able to wear this part actually as a chain. Oh. Uh, that thing flips up, and then that's Arrowhead inside. So you know oh. the detail that went into it was special, um, and it was it was pretty neat. But as far as putting it on, uh, you know it, it it's probably one of the top feelings I had in the world, you know, since I've been alive type deal. Um, but I think just the way they do it is so special, you know, um, where everybody is in this, you know, we had it, at, it was a beautiful ring ceremony that we had down in Kansas city. And, you know, you're in there with all the people that mean the most to you and all the people that you kind of went through everything together with that whole year. And all of us on this call know how long and how much goes into a football season. Um, so, you know, players, coaches, trainers, personnel, everybody's there. And there's a, everyone gets the ring, the box that this ring came in. Um, and then there's a big countdown. So everybody's opening at the same time. Everybody's seen it for the first time at the same time. Um, and then when you finally put it on your ring, on your finger, you know, like obviously your face lights up. It's just, you know, all the hard work and not even just for one season, but, you know, this game, you go through it, everything that goes into it. Uh, it's a long period of your life, you know, and to finally achieve that goal. And for me, for it only to be year two, I mean, what a blessing for me to be in the NFL and to be able to win a Super Bowl in my second season when I know plenty of guys that have either played or coached for so many years that, that haven't been able, you know, to reach that. So I think that was kind of the, the very special with just how they do it. But also what I thought was really cool, you know, 
our girlfriends and wives, you know, all those people were there as well. They sacrificed so much for us off the field, you know, just for them to be able to experience all that along with us, you know, the parade, uh, the ring ceremony, you know, everything that goes with it, just because of all the sacrifices that they make for us off the field. So the way they do it, um, just to have everybody in that room, it, it, it's something that, you know, it's hard to kind of put into words, but it was uh, it was amazing for sure. Nice, man. Um, anyone had a comment? We're good for the next question. I mean, Donald pretty much covered it pretty well. That, that mm -hmm. is pretty awesome. And they got the, the wives and the family involved. Cause I, <laughs> I know on a smaller scale, so I, I, I could understand. Um, next question. I know we got a lot of NFL questions, but I want to bring you back. So I know you spent most of your time, um, in your both coaching and playing career at Youngstown state. So I just had a quick question. I, and it could be wherever, but if it could be, Youngstown State, what is your most memorable game you remember, for better or worse, uh, while your time at Youngstown or, or elsewhere, a game that really stuck out to you that you're going to remember for, for a long time? Youngstown, obviously, beating Pitt would be the first thing that kind of comes to my mind. Uh, we all were a part of that, you know. So I, I would think that for sure. and. I kind of got some bragging rights. My best friend played at Pitt at that time. So, you know, I uh, I got that on him. But that would that would probably be the first thing that stands out to me as far as a, a game that I remember. Um, and then the next one would probably be um, Northern Iowa. I think it was uh, red shirt uh, 2012-2013, right like eighth in the country we haven't beat them it was a night game at youngstown state um and we ended up beating them kind of last play of the game ali and i were, were there to make the play in the end zone so those two for sure uh, as players and then coaching uh obviously the eastern washington game would be a game that stands out to me just to be able to go win that to go play for a national championship uh down in frisco Th those three, you know, that, that whole Eastern Washington game was just back and forth. And then Raider made that. Obviously, we all know, YSU football fans all know that probably the best catch in program's history type deal um, to go play for a national championship. So those those would be the three probably most memorable games um, from my playing and coaching career. And, you know, we believe me, I got there. There's all plays and games that we want back as far as bad plays and, uh, you know, I think that's just part of the game and, and that's part of life as well. And it teaches you so much about life, just, just, uh, you know, getting back up, but there's plays definitely that I want back. I think we all want back, um, that kind of stick with me. Um, but I, I try to just remember the good place. So I don't, I don't worry about those bad plays. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, I'm glad you mentioned Eastern Washington. I, I completely forgot because I just think of you mostly as a player and then a coach now in the NFL. I forgot that you were there in probably one of the most memorable YSU games of the last few decades, right? Well, let's say last two decades. <laughs> it, 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 it was special, you know, and obviously the weather, you know, it was freezing. But when you're going through a game like that, you know, those things don't even kind of play a part. It was just back and forth, back and forth. And, uh, you know, to get it done, especially out there. It's not an easy place to win. Um, to go do that out there was was awesome. Yeah, yeah, and we we dominated for three quarters. I remember running through my house as soon as that couch happened, and I and I 
called some guys. I was like, we're all going to Frisco. And if you guys remember, we had a tailgate of like 20 of us in the parking lot. That seemed to have a good time down in Frisco. Oh, I know all the people that stayed at our hotel, you know, where the team did. I know they all had fun. So it was a cool atmosphere and hopefully they'll be able to get back this year. Yeah. Uh, turn it over to Cyril. Donald, just real quick before I jump into my question, I, that Frisco game, I was so stressed out. Um, I had to order like 35 or 40 tickets through work because they didn't go to the public. And I remember like, this is the one thing you cannot forget are these tickets. There are so many people that had already bought them from me. I was like, dude, so stressed. But yeah. um, Donald, just as a, as a man that's seen the game from – you know, all aspects, peewee, middle school, high school, winning the state championship, college, and now the NFL, like, we all know the game moves so much faster as, you know, you progress in it. And, you know, my big question is, you know, you've coached at some pretty big programs in college, you know, what are your, your big key differences between coaching at, you know, YSU, moving to LSU, and now with the Chiefs? It's funny. I get that question a lot, especially now being in the NFL and knowing a lot of college coaches. But honestly, the game of football, you know, it comes down to takeaways, tackling and getting off blocks like at every level. Um, the key fundamentals are kind of, you know, that that's what the game is played off of and made off of. Um, so in that sense, you know, we teach fundamentals, you know, we teach X's and O's, we go through individual NFL, LSU, YSU, no matter where it is, that kind of all stays the same. Um, the biggest thing I would say, obviously, minus the recruiting of college sports and, you know, dealing with clients uh, and everything else that comes with it, eligibility. Um, the biggest thing I would say, the NFL, it, it's a 90% mental game, you know, Everybody in the NFL is big, strong, and fast, can run, jump, athletic, you know, that type of deal. It's what is the little things, the details that's going to separate you from the next man on this 53-man roster. Because it turns into a numbers game, you know, when you're trying to build a roster with our GMs and the head coach, you know, those guys that make those decisions. Um, it's such a numbers game. And, and position battles are so minute in the sense of, it could be a play here or play there. Um, and we put a lot on our guys mentally as far as the playbook and handling things. And at the NFL level, I mean, that is their job, right? They know that's why they're there. They should know what they're doing. And you truly have to be a pro. And you got to learn in the NFL how to practice like a pro. I think it's something that these college guys, when they get there, they soon realize like, oh, we're not tackling in the regular season. We very rarely put the shoulder pads on. You know, it's three days a week, essentially, that you get good work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, then you go to go play a game on Sunday. So the mental aspect, staying healthy. I mean, now, like I said, this is your job. You got to invest into your body. You got to make sure you're in the cold tub. You're in the hot tub. You're doing things to be on the field. Cause if you're not, obviously we're putting somebody else out there and that's going to be their chance to pass you by or whatever the case may be. So, you know, it, it, these guys are pros. They know what's at stake. 
Um, as far as the differences, it, the fundamentals are the fundamentals and, and we teach it. But, you know, handling guys and understanding that what they're there to do, what we're there to do, you know, we're all going for one common goal. Um, so it's it, there's not many major differences in that sense. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Flip it over to Kurt. Hey, Donald, just to uh, piggyback, and I don't even know if this is a question, just one of your responses. I know on this podcast specifically, we are super pro Missouri Valley Football Conference, and we're, we're pro FCS level. And, you know, your three games that you mentioned, Pitt, you know, having a chance to play against Aaron Donald, and Northern Iowa, I think that year was David Johnson. And then Eastern Washington, I think Cooper Cup was on that roster. Can you yep. kind of – can you talk maybe just a little bit before my, my question? Mine's not too long. So, I mean, talk about what it's like from an NFL perspective, seeing a guy from the SEC versus seeing a guy from, you know, the FCS of the Missouri Valley. Um, when you're evaluating guys, you know, and believe me, we, I, I, when I talk to kids, you know, high school kids, college guys, whatever the case may be, I, I first tell them, like, look, if you're good enough, we are going to find you in the NFL. Like the resources, the personnel staffs, the scouting staffs that go into it, like we are going to find you um, because we go through so many guys that we have to mm-hmm. evaluate. But in the sense of, you know, there's SEC guys that come in and there's FCS guys that come in. And you, if they stood there and you didn't know who they were, sometimes you wouldn't be able to tell who was who, you know, and mm-hmm. College football now, you know, we got we see it where, like we just talked about, our Youngstown State team beat a pit team that probably had, I don't know, 10, 15 pros on it, and we had two. Or, you know, yeah. like, so yeah. you, you see that happen, and, you know, it, it, that's nothing that I would ever, you know, some guys may be, some FCS guys or lower-level guys may actually be more polished of a player than a guy that went to, say, in Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Because he – he really only played one year at Alabama. It was a really good year in the SEC, but this guy has so much more game experience in the four years that he played at a smaller school compared to the one year here. But we don't ever, like, we always tell our guys, hey, when you guys go in between those white lines, it, it doesn't matter. All that stuff's out the window. You could have been the Heisman Trophy winner. You could have been, you know, all SEC, all, all American. This guy's coming from the D2 school. That stuff, that does not matter to us in the sense of what you did in college, where you came from in college. We want to see you, you know, put it on, on film for us right now yeah. in the NFL. So, yeah. you know, it, it's just all part of some guys have that in their head, you know. And, right. and when the rookies first get there, we tell them, like, look, you guys are all here for a reason. Like, you wouldn't be sitting in this room if you weren't good enough to play with these guys. So yeah. go out there with that same confidence you had at your level, whatever you played at, have that confidence, you know, yeah. in the NFL. For sure, for sure. Uh, I'll hit this question real quick just because I had it, and then honestly, there's not much explanation. You you can get into it if you want to. Just you know, growing up in Youngstown, you probably back home getting your hair cut by Geo. Still, you getting you getting cut up by Geo this week. That's my guy, man. Yeah, yeah I'll be there dude. next week. Shout out um, to Geo. He's the best. <laughs> shout in the out Geo. Figured T Pace is old barber. He used to come. <laughs> yeah, he right. used to come into the apartment, and T Man would have him over for a couple hours, and T Man would get cut. It's awesome. It's bad. Great, great, um, great person. So good dude. It's always great to go see him. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just growing up in Youngstown, like who was somebody that you idolized growing up? You know, uh, college player, NFL player. Uh, no, Russell Westbrook's kind of your boy in the NBA. But in terms of football player, who did you idolize? 
it's funny. The, the first guy that I have to mention would be who I call Coach Z, Michael Zordich. Um, it, and it's funny because from the time I can remember, he was always Coach Z to me. Um, started, I'm best friends with his son, Alex. We grew up our whole lives together. Um, but I started playing tackle football in fourth grade. And he was our coach. And now here we are. We're on the West Catholic Crusaders. Ken Kohler is a head coach. And we got Michael Zordage, 12-year NFL vet, all Madden player, like that whole deal. And he's out there coaching us. And I never got to see him, obviously, play in person. But I've seen film and I've seen things like that. But who better for me to idolize than this guy who's right here, standing next to me, teaching me the game of football, you know, the right way, yeah. how it's supposed to be played from fourth grade all the way until my junior year of high school, he coached me. Um, and I always tell people he was the first person that ever sat down with me and taught me football, like X's and O's. It was a summer going into my sophomore year at Mooney and we were in his basement and he got on the board and he started to teach me like X's and O's, DB play coverages, all that stuff. Um, and it's funny. It, so junior year, end of our junior year, Philadelphia Eagles call him. He goes to coach for the Eagles. And then you fast forward, what would it be, five years later, and he's my safeties coach for Youngstown State, my last mm -hmm. season of football. So, like, just how that all happened um, was a blessing for me because I love that guy. He's like my second dad. Like, I love him to death. I love that family. Um, so he would be the first guy that – probably as I was starting to play football for real and I knew I was going to take it serious, was like, I want to be like him. Um, yeah. Just because, A, the type of person he was, and I knew what type of player he was, and I got to watch him play play on film um, yeah. and whatnot. And then the next guy would be Maurice Claret. Um, my family is super close with him. My uncle is really, really close with him. So as I was young, I, went, I would watch him play at Harding all the time. And I always tell people he was the best high school football player I've ever seen with my own two eyes, like wow. watching him go play. Um, he was special. So those two guys would be the guys from Youngstown. And as I got older, it would be Kyle McCarthy, who went to Mooney, went to Notre Dame. You know, he was a safety, played the position I played. So those three from the Youngstown area really stuck out, like, as my guys. Um, and then in the NFL, it was, uh, it was Roy Williams and it was John Lynch. I was – I was a okay. Cowboys fan growing up. So, uh, <laughs> you know, Roy Williams was the guy playing safety. Uh, I just liked his game. And then John Lynch would be the next guy that I kind of watched a lot of. And Darrell Revis as I started to get older. And I was more just a fan of the game in the sense of, like, I, I like to watch good football. And, yeah. You know, so I would watch those guys here and there. Those would be the guys. Uh, but definitely, you know, Michael Zordage. Maurice Claret, yeah. Kyle McCarthy would be the three man. guys as I was young that I really wanted to be like. Yeah, those are big names, man. You could tell, like, just by you talking and Coach Cop when he gets on here talking, man. Those Youngstown roots are strong, man, and they don't they don't go anywhere. It's crazy. No, you know, I still talk to all those guys to this day. So it, yeah, it's you know, it's it's special just to be from here and have those relationships with those guys. That's cool, man. Real cool. Be before I flip the. Dan, on the next question, Donald, I, I just got to tell you, looking from my point of view, when I was a student coach, and first, Coach Haycock was my head coach, defensive coordinator. So I had this 
you know, Iowa State defensive coordinator on the chalkboard, and he was like talking French. And I'm trying to learn the game, right? I, you know, that's why I'm a student coach. And I, and he's up there, and he's speaking this crazy language. I'm thinking, oh my god, I, I'm never going to learn this. And then I start to kind of learn. And then um, then Michael Zorda Jackson, he came from uh, Mooney, and he was with us one spring. And I'm, I remember at first I was like, dude, we hired a, a high school guy to be our safeties coach. And then he gets up there and he is speaking even more advanced than Coach Haycock. And I'm thinking, holy cow, I got a long way to learn. And then he leaves us with Andy Reid of the Eagles. I'm thinking, oh, thank God, like he was above our level. And then we, the next to us was Jerry O, uh, Jerry Osowski. He leaves for the Steelers. So I'm thinking, all right, you know, well, we're good. And then Donald Delisio comes, and there's this kid that's, you know, a couple years younger than me. And then you get on the chalkboard, and you're talking circles around me. And I'm thinking to myself, again, holy, I'm never going to figure out what the hell's going on. So I'm glad to know that, like, you're now winning Super Bowls with the Kansas City Chiefs. Jerry's with the Steelers. Uh, Michael Zordage is your hero. And, um, and of course, Coach Haycock killing it at Iowa State. So I'm glad to know, like, I wasn't <laughs> – it wasn't that I had a problem. It's that you guys were that much more advanced than I. It makes me feel so much better than, than when I was at Youngstown State having this younger safety get on the chalkboard doing circles around me, man. But it, mm. anyway, I'll turn it over to Dan. All right. Well, that's a, a great segue into the Youngstown legendary coaching tree. So, which now, Donald, you're, you're a part of that. You were before. But, and you mentioned Michael Zordich, who everyone loves Coach Z. I mean, he's the man, uh, part of that uh, Cheney football factory, Michael Zordich, Jerry Olsavsky, a lot, a lot of names out there. Uh, Matt Cavanaugh, who coached in the NFL uh, a long time. So you're part of that coaching tree now. I believe you're probably the first guy to win a Super Bowl or uh, the first Youngstown coach to wear a Super Bowl ring, not player. I think Matt Cavanaugh had some and some other guys, I'm sure, but I, I didn't, we got to research that, but I believe Donald, you're might be the first one, one with the Boca? Niners. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry. With the Niners. Yeah. Okay. But, but I could be uh, wrong. I think he did though. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, but you're part of that coaching tree that, you know, Kurt and Kyle and Sal, we, we talk about a lot and, Sal came up here and drank the water, and he, he hasn't been right since. So, he, uh, But that Youngstown tree, uh, you, you kind of carry that. And I think I know you're proud of that. Um, and you grew up around all the right people, Michael Zordich and Maurice, what, what a player, and those guys. But what does that kind of mean to you? As, you know, as we talk about Youngstown and people always talk about, geez, all these coaches, the Stoopses, the – Trestle, uh, Wolford, Haycock, going go, go down the line, but you're you're part of that now. What does that mean to you? You know, it, it means everything to me because just being from Youngstown means the world to me. And, yeah. and I owe all my success to my upbringing um, from my parents. Uh, my dad was a high school basketball coach, so I was able to, at a young age, you know, be there and watch him coach from the time I can remember I was in a basketball gym. Um, but all my coaches I had along my career, you know, from my little league coach, 
uh, Coach Kohler, and obviously having Coach Wolf at Youngstown State. Um, but being from Youngstown and being able to kind of I'm getting my way into that tree. I wouldn't say I'm there yet. Those guys have been doing it for a long time. Um, but, you know, just every interaction I've had with those guys and I've had the chances, obviously I'm extremely close, close with Coach Bo Pelini, who I owe so much of my where I'm at in my life right now in the coaching world to him. He gave me my first opportunity. I learned the right way under him and just everything he's done for me. Um, but the times I've had opportunities to talk to Bob Stoops and Mark Stoops and you know the list goes on and on there's so many guys um from the area and every time I talk to them I just try to take something from them that can help me along the way but what really sticks out with me the most from all of those guys Coach Z like at one point I was young and I vividly remember sitting in those Mooney football camp gyms and they would be the speaker at the end of the camp and just how much it meant for them to be from Youngstown and for them to be mm -hmm. back in Youngstown, giving back to the youth in Youngstown. And that's what I'm in it for. You know, I, I love coming back. I go speak to as many people as I can that want to hear from me um, just to show them that there's another way to get to where you want to go. Right. Not everybody may be able to play in the SEC, but here's Mark Stoops, the head coach at Kentucky that, you know, you're, this is another avenue for you to get, to the SEC. Here I am. My dream was to play in the NFL. They didn't want me to play in the NFL, but I found a way to go work in the NFL and become a coach, right? Win a Super Bowl and things like that. So just to be able, my ultimate, I just want to give back to this community um, as much as I can because I remember being young, listening to those guys speak life into you and hope and faith and all that good stuff uh, to kind of get to where you want to go to reach the goals you want to get to. So you know, just to be able to kind of be in that network with those guys, uh, it's very special to me. Like I said, just for all that they've given to us as young kids, and I, I want to just continue that with uh, the next generation. If I could follow up real quick, do any of the coaches on the staff have, do they know of Youngstown? I mean, am I? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, anytime, it, not even just on our staff, like in the coaching world, in the coaching world, the moment someone asks, like, where you're from, and I say, oh, from Youngstown, and they start rattling names off. Like, you know, this guy, this guy, that guy, that guy. I mean, heck, the DeBartlows own the 49ers. They're from Youngstown. Yeah. It's not. It's so crazy that, you know, our community has this, you know, network to itself in this football world. And uh, I, it's just the, the people, you know, they all look out for each other, whether you're from Youngstown or you come and spend time in Youngstown, you become a guy like Sal, you know coming all the way from Florida. Now he's got the Youngstown in him that people that are from Youngstown are always going to kind of, you know, stick together and, and be there for him. So that, you know, it's just very special. And, and like, I, I love it here. That, that's cool. <laughs> coach uh, Wolford told me, told me a story when he first meeting, he sat with coach Saban and coach Saban said, this guy's from Youngstown. You got to watch these Youngstown guys, you know, and he told his famous story of him in the original Bob Stoops. That'll be for another story, but it's great. You're part of that tree for sure. And man, that ring is unbelievable. So thanks, Donald. Congrats again, man. Congrats. You, hey, cop, I think I know the story. Go ahead and just tell it real quick. Whoa. Are you sure? Uh, you know, I, yeah. Okay. Do you want to do right, the well, quick version? I'm going to do the real quick version. All I right. guess Nick Saban was not guess. He was recruiting South high school 
back in the day when South High School was around and Bob Stoops, the original Bob Stoops, as he's known, was the head coach at that high school. And Coach Saban and Coach Stoops were at a bar slash restaurant talking football on a napkin. And I, I'm paraphrasing here, but I guess the story goes that while they were in the back of this restaurant bar talking football, the place gets robbed. Guy comes in, robs the bar. The police come later and asking people questions like, well, those two guys were here the whole time in the back. And they never even knew the place got robbed. They were talking football the whole time. And so Coach Saban said, that's Youngstown. Guys don't even, coaches don't care what's going on. They want to talk football. So um, we'll, we'll have someone on, maybe Wolf will tell the story or, or the original Coach Stoops one of these nights. So Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, sir. I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, I, uh, Sal loves Youngstown so much that he said he was going to move back. He said it was too hot in Florida in the summer, so he's going to he's going to be a snowbird in Tampa. So, but uh, just to stick with the the coaching um, kind of topic here, Donald um, sounds like you've been surrounded by a lot of great influences in your life early up, growing up in Youngstown, having those available to you, it's awesome. Um, and no doubt sharing the field with you for two, three seasons. I knew if you needed to, you'd be able to come up and take my position and put your hand in the dirt. Now, I don't know if you'd have been able to get to the quarterback, but I knew you know where to go. But, um, you know, being someone that got to play so many games at YSU, how, how with your knowledge of the game, growing up with those, those coaches and those players and that, that Mooney influence and that Youngstown tradition in your youth how did that coupling with your playing experience really help you make that that quick jump to competitive division one football coaching and and on you know um i'll just i think as i was going through it it's funny i always said i'll start with this i always said i wasn't going to coach and it was for this reason um well, from what I was experiencing was I went through three defensive coordinators and four position coaches in five years. So I was watching just these coaches come and go and come and go. And my first thought was like, I would hate to do that to my family. You know, I don't want to be this. I don't want to have to up and move my family here, there this year, eight months, we're going to another spot. Da da da. And at the time it ended up, I don't know, might have been the best thing that happened to me during those five years for my future becoming the coach that I said I didn't want to become. Um, but just in the sense of going through, I learned three different schemes, right? I played for four different position coaches. So I'm going through each year in the sense of, okay, I want you to play this technique my freshman year, right? And let me mind you, in high school, I played cornerback. I never played safety until I got to Youngstown State. So the adjusting happened the moment I stepped on campus, right? I played corner from my whole life. And then I get to Youngstown State. I, I was 177 pounds when I graduated uh, high school because uh, I was coming off wrist surgery. And they tell me I'm playing safety. So I'm like, okay, boom. Right now, now I got to adjust. I got to learn that. Um so as I'm going through my career, it's one year you're playing this technique, right? It's the next year, okay, we're doing this in Indy. We're changing this technique. 
the next year we're changing this defense. You got to learn this call. You got to learn that call. So like every year I was challenged as a player in the sense of knowing the playbook, knowing my technique, playing the technique the coach wanted me to play. So I, I, I took that from my playing career and from everybody that I've ever been around, there's things and you guys all go through it in your professions, what you like that people do. And there's things that you don't like that people do. Right. And so just constantly think back to my playing days from indie, from this, from that, like, Oh, I like that drill. I didn't like that drill. I like the way this coach coached this. I didn't like how he said that, you know, for my whole career. So I just took that and kind of ran with it into my coaching career. But the challenge as a coach is I know what works for me, right? Just I sat in those rooms for four years. The challenge for coaches is I've got 20 guys in my room now. Well, not all 20 learn the exact same way or like the exact same things that I do, right? So then it goes back to relationships. And getting to know the guys you coach is huge because you know what buttons you can push to get a guy motivated to do this, do that. I may be able to say something to Kurt that I can't say to Coach Cop, right? And it would get Kurt going, but it wouldn't get Coach. It may shut Coach Cop down. So I just know from my experience as a player what I like. And like I said, that was kind of my blueprint with it. And then, believe me, learning from Bo, learning from just like how to run a meeting, how to organize film, how to plan out individual for a training camp, you know, the steps that it takes, um, you know, I kind of meshed all that together from all the people that I learned from and, and took that route. And believe me, you got to put in a lot of time. Um, it's a lot of hard work, as we all know. Um, but that's what I would say from my playing days to my coaching days is what I took kind of the most. Just the everything I learned from the majority of or from all the guys that, that I had as coaches. Yeah, that's that's an awesome perspective. I definitely went through those uh, defensive coordinator changes with you. I was just fortunate enough. I had Coach Sims with me uh, for all four years, and pretty much he coached the same way from start to finish, someone that we all loved on the team. So that's all I got for that question. Yeah, Donald, just talk, talking like Cheryl said about all the coaches you went through at while you were at time at Youngstown. Uh I'll probably answer this question for you, but uh, I'm going to assume that slide special was probably your favorite play uh, as both a player and a coach in a run. Is that right? Oh, dude, slide I'm all special. about slide special, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want you to know slide special was actually a Cardinal Mooney play. That was a, a Bob oh, Stoops at Oklahoma. Did you, did you know that? Yeah. yeah okay. I knew where they got it from. I knew yeah. where they got you, you it. You just from. don't run it every single play is the problem, right? <laughs> Donald installed it for us. He yeah. was some a pressure with it, Sal. Yeah. You got mixing some pressures. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. So in yeah. a nutshell, what, what happened was when Mark Stoops was at Florida State, he went to Oklahoma and Oklahoma just ran four verts and I guess blew him out. And then uh, Mark and Florida State was playing BYU the next week. So Mark was like, Bob, you know, I, I, I they're going to run four verts against me. What do you do? So he told them, and then that's how uh, Florida State shut down BYU. And then if you remember your freshman year, I think we lost seven games purely on four verts. <laughs> do you remember that? In the last, in the oh, last yeah. three minutes of those seven games, we were leading hey, all Sal, those remember, 
Sal, remember the bad games you were talking about? Those, oh, are, yeah. those are those memories that, that you wanted. You just recapped it right there. Oh, oh yeah. The that whole memories. season. So then Frank right. Pafano, another uh, – Frank was like, Mark, I need a way to stop for verts. So <laughs> the next season, we said so we may lose, but it's not going to be by being four verticals. But anyway uh, – a question for you, and, and Dan Cup always says every time we tell a story, man, we could write a book. And at the time when you're at Youngstown State, they're sort of confidential. And then after you leave, it's kind of gets a little looser as far as sharing some stories. Any, uh, preferably funny, but any story that you kind of remember that you want to kind of share with the audience that – uh, most of the listeners wouldn't know about that that went down, whether it's behind the scenes or just open in general? I'll say the, the, the best times um, the best times were every day in the locker room with our guys, right? And we all know we all had so much fun. But there's two instances. Both were players impersonating coaches. And I can't do the impersonation, but we all know Zach Larson and – we're in summer workouts at one time. Well, he had two of them. I mean, the rookie talent show he had, that's all on the floor laughing. But we are in, me and Hawkins, we're walking back in the locker room. He's our strength coach. And we hear, or who we thought was Wolf, just ripping, like getting after somebody in this locker room. We are like walking in, you know, where the equipment room is. We walk in the locker room and like, we stop and look at each other like, oh, my God, who is that? Like, who is getting this, the other end of this? And we hit the corner, and who it is Larson standing right there, sounding like wolf to a T. I mean, and, you know, there's 10 guys, 15 guys huddle around. They're all laughing. And me and Cochran just, you know, we're, we're dying. So that was one. And then when ja- Jabbo, Jamil Smith, who we called Jabbo, impersonated Joe Tracy and Glenn Davis and the rookie talent show. I mean, us guys in the DD room that like sat there when, you know, coach Davis would be, Hey son, put your foot on the tick before I throw this ball through your ear hole. Like he would be ripping David rivers and, you know, Jabbo had it down to a T. So those are two that like, when I talk to my boys, whether it's Lark, you know, I'm obviously very close to Larson going to high school, but you know, when me and Jamarius Boatwright, who's one of my best friends, like when we talk, we talk about, Coach Davis and Jabo and Holly, Nate Adams, Josh Gardner. Those are my guys. We talk every day. We're in a group chat together. So just, you know, being able to talk to those guys every day. And we all, stories come up here and there. Uh, but those are two. Them, Larson was the best impersonator that I've been around. Just He had Wolf down, like, to a T. So uh, we've all probably heard Larson imitate him here and there. So uh, those are two that kind of stick with me. When you mentioned Larson, Cop, you made me say the same thing. I remember Larson at the talent show when he did the Ron Stoops impression. That was, I never laughed so hard in my life. <laughs> Larson's got a gift for that, man. He's oh. got a gift. So he, How are uh... we supposed to win, right? Well, no, like, yeah. How are we supposed to win? <laughs> well, I, I will tell you that when Wolford found out, when Wolf found out that Zach did his imitation, <laughs> He come, he's like, cop daddy, cop daddy. I, I hear, I hear my boy Larson does me. I'm like, and I'm like, I, I don't know, coach. He's like, oh, he got me, cop daddy. I want to see him. So I'm like finding Larson and he's like, I, I can't do it. I'm like, you got to do it. I mean, he's, he's going to, you know, and, but when he did it, oh, 
I, yeah. I mean, Larson you're right. Had he, Shane he was Montgomery the best. down to a T too. He had Shane yeah. Montgomery down yep. to a T yeah. too. So mm-hmm. Shane's it's a great funny, one. But... Shane's a good oh, one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I swear to God, I catch myself doing it to my daughter when I look at her, and like she's two and a half now, and I look at her, I'm like, Nora, what are you doing? And it comes out of my face, and I'm just—it comes out of my mouth, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I still got Shane living in me." It's been ten years since I've been in a meeting room with him, and I'm staying with my daughter right now. What are you doing, Kurt? Dude, I think we just—I think we just had—we got a prime guest to, to bring on the show. We can talk to so many different coaches by just having Larson on the show. That's just true. That's true. Well, Curdy, I'll, I'll turn—I'll turn the next question over to you, Curdy. Oh, man, I don't even know how I can follow that question talking about Larson. I'm glad you just kept Cinco out of any story, though, because that was not going to be appropriate for the pod, man. (laughs) All right, so um, my next question, you know, January 29th, 2023. Obviously, you guys finally got over the Joe Burrow hump. Uh, Congratulations. I appreciate it. But my question is, guys like Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, just watching those guys duel, uh, what makes those guys elite in the NFL? Uh, compared to everybody else? Because those seem to be, you know, them, Jalen Hurts, top three, top five guys. What what makes those guys elite? There's a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFL. They're all very good, actually. And some people don't think that, but I promise you they all are extremely good. But those guys, you know, the top five, however you want to do it, the first thing that's going to stick out with all of those guys is they're going to be the leaders of the team. Like, they're the voice and – the team goes as they go, right? No matter whether it's off the field, on the field, in the locker room. Like the NFL, a lot of these teams, there's co- the players drive the team, right? You know, mm-hmm. they're the ones in the locker room. They're the voice. They get the guys going, you know. Um, so I would say both of those guys, and obviously I've never been around Joe, but I would assume, you know, that's how it is with him. Yeah. But I've seen Pat do it day in and day out, right? And yeah. so that would be the first thing. The next thing, I guarantee you they're all ultra competitors. Like, they hate to lose. They want to do, you know, all right. They may not all, you know, there's a lot of social media. There's a lot of stuff on TV. Those guys may not comment on it, but they probably hear it, right? Yeah, yeah. Whether, you know, this person heard you, I can't beat that person, or whatever the case may be, like, they're ultra competitors. They wouldn't be where they are if they weren't. And if you're not an ultra competitor in the NFL, you're going to get exposed, whether you're a corner, whether you're a linebacker, you know, whatever position you play, you better be ready to go out there and compete. Um, So those would be the main two things. But the third and probably the most important would be their work ethic. Um, You know, people tell young guys, like when I go speak to young kids, the first thing I tell them is like, I watch Patrick Mahomes. I watch Travis Kelsey. I watch Chris Jones day in and day out like the work that they put in and the amount of time that's, you know, involved in their preparation, the plays they make on Sunday, those aren't by accident. And a lot of the guys in the NFL don't make those plays. They don't luck into those plays. Yeah. Like I watch, you know, everybody sees Pat make these plays on Sunday. I watch them Tuesday through Thursday, you know, like I watch them throughout the week. Yeah, and it's the same stuff. And he operates the same way he does on Sundays. He operates the same way on Tuesdays because that's just the way he prepares. That's the way he grinds. You know, they all want to be the best at what they do. Um, so those three things are probably what if you looked at the quarterbacks, those would, you know, or whatever position you want to take, 
the great ones have probably those things in common where yeah. they're able to rally a team, you know, with their leadership and they they feel that they're never out of the game. We've had so many come back, you know, come from behind wins or whatever the case may be where the defense needed to stop or we got the offensive ball. They go down and score because they want that. They don't see it as pressure. They see it as an opportunity to go put their stamp on, like you said, Pat being the best or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, so th- that that's what watch it, you know, fortunate enough to be around some great, great, great Hall of Fame players, yeah. um, you know, and you watch them work every day and then you get to go see it on Sunday. And that's what it's about for us coaches. Like, you know, I'm watching this guy put in the work or we're, we're there with them and then it goes out and you see it on Sunday. So that, yeah. that's that's what it's about. Yeah, no doubt. And just a quick follow up, you know, shout out C. Bry, Christian Bryan. We talked a little bit about what he and Moss are doing, you know, with mental health going on. I think he posted something today, and I think it had just a small blurb about MJ, M- Michael Jordan. And it was like Michael's gift was not that he was kind of what you were saying earlier, the fastest, the strongest, could jump the highest. It was just that he always lived, whether it was practice or, or games, he lived in the moment. Do you see that in your top players? For sure. You know, they are where their feet are. They don't worry about, you know, two weeks down the road, three weeks down the road, because in the NFL, if you don't show up, you're you're going to get exposed. Like these are the best players in the world. Anybody can be if you don't show up, the Owen, whatever team can beat the 15 and 0 team or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, because these guys are out there. They're playing for their life. Like this is their living. This is their job. If they don't put it on film, whether they're O and whatever or 15 and whatever, they're going to be out of the league. They're going to be on a different team, you know. So you you definitely see that where these guys know that whatever game we're on, whatever week we're on, it's the most important game, especially in football, because we all know how important each game is in football, right? It's not basketball where there's 82 games or, you know, whatever the case may be. Baseball, they play a ton. Like, you, we got 17 weeks, every week counts. And when we play division games, it counts as like those are, you know, even more important. So we, we, we worry about just handling, it's cliche, we had it, you know, one and oh each week. That That is our goal. And that, that's all we worry about that week. You know, we never kind of look ahead or anything like that. Cool. Appreciate the insight, man. Thanks. Flip it over to Searle. Donald, you, you kind of touched on this when, when you were answering my last question, but, you know, there's a lot of young coaches having some success at the highest level um, in the NFL, you know, um, as someone coming right out of your playing career, going to YSU to coach and now in the pros is still pretty much a young guy. How, how do you earn the respect of, um, you know, a, a player that you might have shared the, the locker room with at, at YSU and, and now you're in front of them coaching them and you have a player that might be physically more gifted than you in the NFL. Um, how, how do you kind of, uh, you know, treat those situations and earn their respect to get them to like buy into what you're telling them? Which I kind of hit on earlier in another question was the relationship that you build. Like, it's a relationship-based business, coaches, players alike, right? Uh, we all want mutual respect with each other. And you talk, it starts with just getting to know the guys that you spend so much time with, right? Coaches, we're there. You know, we see them more than our families, but the players, we spend so much time. So I think just getting to know those guys and them understanding that you're not there or not the only thing I care about is how good they are at football. 
right? Like I want to get to know them as a person. I want to get to know their family, their kids. So that kind of starts, you know, everything in the sense of the respect that you were talking about. Um, just knowing that they, we care for them more about them just between the lines. And then as far as between the white lines, you know, we're all, we all want to win, right? They play good. In essence, it helps us. We are able to coach them good. They go play well, they get paid, they get no, you know, we're all fighting for one common goal. Um, but as long as you can show these guys that a, you know what you're talking about and B you're going to help them get to where they want to go. They're going to respect you. Right. We, you, you got recruited coming out of high school. You went, you know, what coach Sims, you respected coach Sims because you knew coach Sims or coach Sims showed you a, I know what I'm talking about and B I'm going to get you, I'm going to elevate your game. I'm going to, I'm going to get you to where you want to go. And it's no different at our level. Like, yeah, there's guys like, I mean, heck, I coached Tyron Matthew, you know, my first year, and he's as good as a college football player as there is, um, as there was, you know. And But, you know, you're able – and believe me, you learn – us coaches learn so much from those guys too, just listening to conversations that they have or the experiences that they had. So it kind of goes back and forth. But if you show them that you can get them to where they want to go and you're going to improve their game, you know, they're, they're going to respect you at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I remember uh, one one line that like Wolf had that stuck out to me. I just kind of, you know, his job as a coach was to get get us as players to where we couldn't take ourselves. So that just kind of has always stuck out in the back of my head. And um, now you're you're in that role, and uh, so I just that's really cool that you're building those relationships with with some really talented players. Little things where we spend so much time watching film, you know where. It may be something, hey, I picked up this. Here's a little nugget for you. You know, here's a little nugget when you're covering this guy or this when this quarterback does this. It's a You know, it's little stuff like that that what you just were talking about that may take their game to the next level because, believe me, they're all they're all great athletes, you know, at the level we're at. So, Absolutely. Well, last question from us before we flip it over to Kurt in the Instagram uh, question. Uh, as I know – you're going to be watching the Youngstown State Penguins and kind of following them this upcoming season uh, alongside your season. And I know some of those players are going to be listening to this episode. Uh, so really, and I'm not talking if they had Donald come in and talk to the team during camp. I mean more so if you got to sit down with each player in a one-on-one -on -one, um, for this upcoming season, what advice would you give those guys really? I mean, at the goal, at the end of the day is to get to Frisco and win. What advice would you give those guys? And of course, you know, remember they're, they're hopefully going to be listening to this and, and hearing what you got to say to them. My guys that are still there that I recruited, you know, I see a bunch of them, Chris Fitzgerald, Dylan Woodkey. Uh, I don't want to leave anybody out, but those are the guys I know in the D line room. Um, cheer for them I text I still talk to a lot of those guys um, check up on them but what I first would kind of you know I would first tell them that they got to enjoy it right we talked about how much that goes into it fall camp and then the season but then you got uh, uh, winter workouts spring ball and then you get into summer workouts right you put in all this time and all they got is 12 opportunities on a Saturday and football is so because we work year-round for 12 chances to go display all that hard work that you just put in. And we mentioned it, you know, 
you guys on this call, we all made some of our best friends of our life in college, right? Playing together. We spent so much time with them that like you're playing a game with your best friends. You got to enjoy it because the four years, whether this is their senior year or their freshman year, it's going to go by in a blink. And before you know it, it's going to be over. And all of us wish we could go back, right? We all wanted to go do what Sal just talked about, play in the playoffs, try to win the national championship for, for Youngstown State, because that's the ultimate goal, right? We all went there knowing, hey, we want to win a national championship. That's why we're going there. That's why we went there. Um, so I would first tell them to enjoy it. And then the next thing I would tell them is like, you've got to go into each week like it's we kind of hit on it like it's the most important game of your life because that's the only thing that matters uh who you're playing that week nothing else matters and when you walk on the field you got to have confidence to yourself but you also got to understand that the game can humble you very quickly right and we've all talked about good plays bad plays whatever the case may be but when you get when something happens bad you can't let that affect your next play right you got to brush that off like you know, we, when we were at LSU or even at Youngstown State, I would tell the guys, like, look, they're on scholarship too. Right? They're going to make plays. When we cover Devontae Adams, yeah, he's probably going to catch the ball, right? Just compete your tails off and go out there, you know, and you've got to stick together as a team. Through the ups and the downs, football, it's such – it's the ultimate team sport, right? It, it, it takes everybody clicking to do what you want to do. So you've got to stick together. Um, and that's part of like the brotherhood and through those training camp days, what you do in training camp is going to mold what you do in the regular season. Like there's no time. Yeah. You have Indy in the regular season, you have this and that, but the nuts and bolts of who you are as a football team is going to get made in training camp. So they're about to go, you know, I'm sure end of July, third week of July, whenever it is, they're going to go report to camp and they got to understand how important those days are. And, yeah, it's hard, but winning's hard, you know. So you're going to go through training camp, and there's going to be some days where we've all been there. You're like, man, forget this. I don't want to do this. I'm tired. But I'm telling you, it's going to pay off in the future because I know in the NFL, it was the closest margin of victory this year in the history of the NFL, one-score games. And, you know, football is going to come down to four or five plays a game. You don't know which ones are going to be, but – you just want to be prepared for when it's your time to go make that play. So, you know, those would be like kind of the two main things that I, that I would kind of hit with those guys, but you've got to have fun. You invest too much time, too much effort into it to not to make sure you're enjoying it. You're with your best friends, man. But at the end of the day, go compete your tails off. And, you know, our whole alumni base is cheering for you. Um, you know, we want you guys to get it done. We want to get it done. Absolutely. Any Youngstown State Penguin uh, that's listening to the show right now, uh, I may or may not know what the heck I'm talking about, but Donald does know what he's talking about, and he has a ring to back it up and prove that he does. So please listen to his advice and, and help take that to take us to Frisco this year, as he is himself and the rest of us are definitely going to be following this, this what we think is a special team uh, take us all the way to the show. Um, but uh, I'm going to flip it over to Kurt, who runs our Instagram page. He's going to share the 
Instagram handle for anyone who ever wants to ask questions. Um, he posted about for people to ask questions for Donald tonight. So I'll turn it over to him and, and anyone that has any questions, he'll, he'll go ahead with that. Yeah, again, any feedback that you guys have or any follow you want to get, uh, Y-Town Penguin Podcast on Instagram. Uh, trying to stay pretty active with a lot of trivia. Uh, we hit some 90s trivia this week, some early 2000s trivia. So, you know, stay paying attention to the page and always give us your feedback. I've talked to a number of former guys who have just reached out, whether it's messaging or hit me up via text and, you know, say that they love this and they're offering up suggestions. So if you guys have any good feedback, you know, positive, negative, we'd love to hear it. Um, Donald, honestly, man, you talked about most of the questions. Uh, the only thing just sifting through these questions right now, uh, JC kicks 17, uh, our boy, Joey Cejudo. Um, I think Joey did the PATs and the kickoffs maybe when we were seniors, I think, uh, Searle and I heading out, but, uh, you know, I remember Joey being super talented back then. West coast guy still works out. I, I think with uh, Chris Saylor kicking and he's, um, you know, a, a big, specialist guy in terms of just knowledge and working on skills with with people he brought something up that I don't think that we talked about and it kind of slid under the rug a little bit Donald but do you have a favorite memory with coach Pelini memory with coach Pelini honestly my favorite memories with coach Bo we spent so much time obviously exiting those wise in those offices the most fun I probably have with him is on the golf course and I'm just going to leave it at that. If you guys got a chance to play, if you ever get a chance to play golf with Coach Fellini, go play golf with Coach Fellini. I promise you it'll be fun. For sure, man. Bo, if sure. you're listening, I'll make a tea time. I got you, Bo. <laughs> I'm in on the golf. Yeah, Joey's cool, dude. He plays basketball. You, he doesn't go inside the three-point line. So, <laughs> you ever play like a specialist. You, guys Cali, you guys in Cali that Joey Cicudo is posting on his Instagram that, you know, he's getting buckets in this gym or that gym. <laughs> he doesn't go inside the paint. <laughs> but, oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, uh, just to tag on maybe for us and, and talking about a little bit next week, we got Rivers on next week. What was it like to coach him? And do you have anything you want to give a shout-out to Rivers about, man? Derek, Derek is one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. Just he is an awesome dude. And it's funny, Searle talked about me being a, a coach at Youngstown. I, that was the guy that I played with Derek, but I also coached him. And the respect that Derek showed me from the start, it, it like meant the world to me. And I, I know I've told him that I've talked to him about it. Um, but just for him to be the best player on our team, third round draft pick, you know, this is my first job ever, never played defensive line. And here I am as a defensive line coach. Right. Um, but Derek, great dude. Quick story. I'll never forget when he got recruited. He came in. Coach Cop probably remembers. And I'm like, look, I'm like, I forget. I asked somebody, I'm like, who is this wideout that we recruited? Derek was like six four, two hundred and five pounds. You know, I'm like, he was skinny. Coming straight out of Fourth Union, I think he went to. And uh, I was like, who is this wideout? They're like, no, he plays DN. I'm like, oh, all right. As long as he can rush the passer, that'll help me out. You know, and then it, Derek, obviously, you know, his uh, stats and that whole deal speaks for itself, but. As good as a football player as Derek was and is, uh, he's even a better guy. And, and that, it, you know, I get a chance, me and him stay in touch a bunch, especially now, you know, being with us both being in the NFL. I saw him when we played Houston last year. Um, 
hoping, you know, he can stay healthy this year and, and go tear up the NFL. So I'm always pulling for Derek. That's my guy. Can, can I jump in on that story a little bit uh, real quick? I, I remember actually more a little bit about you first, Donald. I remember Coach Wolford when he came in in the transition and he said, I got a guy and I'm not just telling the story because you're on, but it, it's a credit to you. He said, I got a guy, number one recruit I want first. I'm like, okay. And he's like, he's this corner out of Mooney High School. And I'm like, oh, Mooney again? You know, like here we, you know. But uh, <laughs> but he said, Donald Delisio. And of course, you know, I know your dad from Cheney and when my dad was there. But so he was like, I got to get Donald Delisio. And he also spoke about Alan Jones. Uh, so, you know, it's just really cool to see Donald, which is no surprise to us, you're evolution into being a Super Bowl champ. I mean, you know, it just speaks of your character and everything. But when Derek came on his visit, you know, in typical, we need Larson here to imitate it. But Wolf was like, cop daddy, I got, we got this DN. He, he's, he's a stud. Okay. I mean, you know more than I do. And Derek walked in the room. I'm like, yeah, you know, and I forget who maybe T said, are you here for basketball or football? You know, because his dad, I think Derek's dad was, was he a really good basketball player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was a good Overseas basketball player. Overseas, maybe? Or, yeah, or, yeah. And, and Derek was, you know, like he is now, unbelievable young guy at the time and turned out to be the Patriots' first pick that year of their draft. Uh, and But Wolf was like, cop daddy, trust me, that this guy's, he's the real deal. And yeah. So he was right. So cool stories about both of you guys. But Wolf, you were you were one of Wolf's first recruits. He had said that. And... Wolf recruiting me was fun now. You know, mm -hmm. I'll tell you guys, when I first, you know, when he got there, I thought I was going to go to the airport. I thought I was going to go to Toledo. Then I, but anyway, I thought I was going to the airport. And Wolf got this job. And it's, I'm, you know, we're getting recruited out of high school. You get called out of the, out of class. And, I go walking down into Mooney's locker room and there's Wolf. And like, I never, obviously never saw Wolf in my life. You know, who he was. I knew, you know, he got the job at Youngstown State and, you know, he's standing there. What are you up to? What are you doing? You know, da, da, da. So we started talking um, and he said, what do you think about Alan Jones? He asked me about Alan Jones and me and Alan were close. You know, we went to different high schools, but us Mooney and Ursan guys all ran together, knew each other or whatever. Um, so we're talking about, Jones, um, we go back and forth. Uh, so fast forward, Alan ends up committing, and it was actually the night Alan committed. Wolf and Coach Stoops were coming to my house to do my in-home visit, and none of them knew. Like I told my dad, uh, he was the only one that kind of knew that I was going to commit that night, as long as obviously everything went well. And you know, so Wolf comes pulling up. Coach Stoops is driving, and Wolf is hanging out of the window like honking the horn with Coach Stoops' car because Alan had just committed. You know, he's like fist pumping out of the window, honking the horn with the other hand. He came running up. He was all excited. But uh, when I committed, it was we were at my kitchen table. It was just us four, me and my dad, and then those two. Wolf almost went through the ceiling like yeah. he jumped out of his chair. So, you know, getting recruited by Wolf, it, it, I'll tell you what, he was the best guy that ever recruited me out of any coach I ever spoke to. Um, in college football, you know, I was, I was getting recruited throughout my years. But um, yeah, he he yeah, called me that football. night. 
Yeah, he called me from your driveway going, yeah, cop daddy, I got my guy. I got, I got him. I got him. And I was like, hey, man, that's awesome. He's like, Coach Stoops, you know, I told him he can't be texting fifth graders anymore, but <laughs> I, I, I got, I got, I got him. So, yeah, well, cool story. Coach Stoops, we actually went to the Arizona-Nebraska Holiday Bowl game, <laughs> and it was like my family, my, me and my dad, the Stoopses, Reese, there's a bunch of us that went out there. Um, and on the way back, Coach, I was sitting on the plane next to, like, one of my friends. Next thing I know, Coach Stoops comes and sits there. And he's like, and he broke, He told me that he was going to Youngstown State. And he's like, what do we got to do to get you? And he recruited me from uh, Arizona all the way back to Cleveland, wherever we flew into. You know, I'm trying to sleep on the plane. But, you know, it was also exciting at the same time because he was my high school defensive coordinator. So for that whole, you know, it it was a blessing that it all kind of worked out. With I know my grandma was excited that I stayed in Youngstown and everything. So it, it was a blessing. And uh, obviously, here we are on this call, however many years later, you know, talking about Youngstown State. So uh, I wouldn't well, trade it for the world. I, I, I'm going to jump to the uh, the. We always at the end of the show do a Youngstown State shout out to a couple penguins and. And y'all, y'all sort of segued. So I'm going to say uh, one of them, or I'll transition over there. And I'm gonna, I want to mention one of the penguins, and and we could always talk about it because it goes back. I had a comment to make about you uh, being recruited to Youngstown State. Uh, but of course, shout out to I have two penguins. Uh, one of them was with us for a brief time. Uh, is Phil Longo who is now leaving North Carolina and has signed a three-year deal with uh, the Wisconsin Badgers worth $1.25 million per year. So congratulations to Coach Longo. Um, and that is a raise from 900000 to $1.5 million each year, and that is according to the Badger 247 website. So congratulations to Coach Longo. Uh, before moving on to the the next shout out, it just it goes all back to you recruiting, and if you remember, your that same year, Coach Longo was a recruiting coordinator, and we had just been able to snag him away from Southern Illinois, and at the time, Southern Illinois was like the Missouri Valley top tier, like the Dakotas weren't even like they weren't a thing when you were coming out of high school. Uh, so I I remember. Um, when Ron Stoops got on the recruiting board with uh, Coach Longo, and he had put up what looked to be the entire Cardinal Mooney High School starting <laughs> defense on the board. <laughs> and Coach Longo pulls me and says, Sal, I got, I got news for you. Cardinal Mooney High School's not going to win the Missouri Valley, man. We, we, you got to talk to Coach Stoops, man. <laughs> I said, hey, we, were pumping them out. we were pumping them out at that, at that, uh, at that time now. You we remember had a your guy visit? Go to Nebraska. We had a guy go to Michigan. We had two guys go to Youngstown State. We come on now, Coach Longo. I, I know. I told him. I was like, how did you feel of these guys? The years passed. We were really good. My sophomore yeah. year. My sophomore year, our defense was uh was stacked, but that's for another time. Yeah, uh, no, it, it was, <laughs> but um, he 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 ended up warming up to y'all. But uh, anyway, yeah. I, I had to say Phil Longo out there. I don't know if anyone else has anything <laughs> to say about Phil. No, Phil, he, Coach Longo actually reached out to me uh, a couple weeks ago, so we're going to get in touch and uh, get on the phone and catch up for a little bit. Uh, 
but it's great. You know, all those guys, Coach Coleman, you know, all those guys that were on our staff that are, I talked to Coach Davis, uh, Glenn Davis, every now and then he reaches out to me. So, you know, it's awesome just to stay in touch with all those guys and, uh, you know, follow their careers as well. Yeah, and for you listeners, I'm sure Coach Longo uh, at Wisconsin is going to be the big talk around college football in general. As uh, most of you already know, Wisconsin's known for big offensive linemen, Heisman running backs, and they pound the football. Uh, Coach Longo brings a offense that is extremely pass-happy, spread out, tossing the ball around, which has never been done at Wisconsin before. So it will definitely be... Uh, the talk of the town around all of college football that everyone will talk to. So we wish him good luck on on installing that offense in, in a land that has never been done before. Uh, hey, Sal, real out. quick. Sal, uh, real quick. Why why would a coach ever leave the ACC for a Big Ten job? Come on now. I thought you said the ACC was such a great conference. Here he is getting promotions and go be a or, or coordinator in the Big Ten. If you've ever been to a North Carolina Tar Heel game, the the seven fans will will make that <laughs> argument for you. All right, <laughs> I, I don't I don't include North Carolina unless it's basketball season. But anyway, um, wow, I just I one, just think we got some hate viewers from North Carolina after that one. So I mean, I, wow. Let's hope we don't play them someday. So, yeah. A viewer is a viewer, Coach Cop. <laughs> too touche. <laughs> One more shout out I want to give is to, to uh, Mike McAllister, offensive line, uh, is just signed as a uh, undrafted free agent to the LA Rams. He was uh, a firefighter for Turtle Creek in PA, and I know there's a lot of different Penguins that are in the NFL and that picked up um, recently, but this sparked national news. It's in uh, CBS, TMZ. A lot of people covered it. Actually, my father, watching the local news here in Tampa, Florida, uh, saw it, and he was the one that mentioned it to me. So I definitely want to give him a shout-out as he's making uh, big national news going from being a firefighter to um, trying out with the L.A. Rams this preseason. So congratulations to him as well. Uh before we wrap up, just any last words from either Donald or anyone have anything to say in general? Oh, man, I appreciate you guys, man. Um, obviously, I've been listening to all the episodes you guys have been dropping. Uh, I know we're all pulling for Young Sound, so hopefully you guys are listening. Um, these are great guys to listen to each week. They all were great players. Coach Kopp was the best in the business. Um, but I wish you guys the best this year going forward, and believe me, Every Saturday, I'm tuned in watching you guys, whether we're on the road or at home. I'm on my phone watching it or on an iPad. Um, so the alumni is behind you guys, and we're pulling for you. Thank you, brother. And, and same with you. I mean, you represent the Youngstown State community very well. Uh, we all wish you luck in your upcoming season with the Chiefs. Um, so we're, we're all going to be watching you as well. And again, for the audience, that is Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl winning safety, Donald Delisio. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for everyone else, again, this is the Youngstown Penguin Football Podcast. Please give us a five-star review, a follow, a download. Please share with a friend. Get the word out there. Um, follow us on Instagram. Send us any questions. We like to do a mailbag question and talk about any comments, any feedback that anybody has. We're open to it. But again, thank you for listening and tune in next time. Again, I'm your host, Sal Guardo. 
That's Kurt Hess. That's Kyle Searle. That's Dan Kopp. And of course, thank you again, Don Delisio, for joining us. Thank you.